Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 61 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, January 6th, 2022, the one-year anniversary of an event the media and politicians continue to lie about. Ted Cruz lied about it yesterday, but more on that later. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, coming up, we'll have two different people who are actually at the United States Capitol, but we'll start with a story that should resonate all over the country, an in-studio interview with a guest who was fired from a school he taught at for 27 years for refusing to wear the mask. Now, before I get to today's news, I want to tell you about a personal journey I've been on for 13 years and how, by the grace of God, I discovered the best-kept secret in American health care. I have hoped and prayed for years for the opportunity to share this on a national stage, and I'm thankful the Lord has opened the door for me to do so. Back in 2008, I was living in Brunswick, Georgia, selling radio commercials. That's where I met a doctor who taught me about a crucial part of health care that most of us have never heard of. Okay, here goes. Your skull weighs somewhere between 8 and 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas or C1 bone, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does get out of alignment, it can cause your spinal column to get kinked up like a chain. So that can lead to big problems because that's where your central nervous system is located. If your spinal column gets kinked up, it can cause your central nervous system to be unable to send impulses to the rest of your body as God designed it to do. So you need to find out if you need an upper cervical care doctor. They're the doctors who take x-rays of your head and neck to see if your atlas is out of alignment. And if it is, they're the doctors who will adjust your atlas to get it back in alignment and you feel better. At the time I found out about this over 13 years ago, I was a single dad and my mom was helping me raise my six children. So I went home and told her about this doctor I met who adjusts people's atlases and about the results she was getting. She said, Doc, you have to take your son, Steve. He's only 13 years old, and I'm afraid he's developing scoliosis, curvature of the spine. He can't sit up straight. He can't stand up straight. And he has migraines all the time. So I took Steve. He got his atlas adjusted, and immediately he sat up straight, and he stood up straight. After his third adjustment, the migraines went away for good. Then my mom told me, Doc, look at yourself in the mirror. Your shoulders are off balance, and you have bad headaches all the time. I think you need to get your atlas adjusted. So I did, and the migraines went away. But I also realized that I had been suffering through a low-grade but consistent head and neck ache caused by several automobile accidents I had been in over the past 20 years. So that consistent low-grade head and neck ache went away immediately, and I instantly realized I had been walking around in a fog for several years. Getting my atlas adjusted was like coming up out of the ether. 
But what really surprised me was when springtime came around, and for the first time I could remember, I didn't have hay fever. Well, that was quite a shock because I had had really bad hay fever every spring going all the way back to my school days. Folks who have their atlases adjusted have reported success with not just migraines, not just allergies, but fibromyalgia, acid reflux, and even eczema. It's all about adjusting the atlas to remove the obstruction that keeps your central nervous system from sending impulses to different parts of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I've been under this kind of care for over 13 years in three different states. I think I would probably be in a wheelchair by now if I hadn't found out about getting my atlas adjusted. My wife and I know many people this has helped. If you're wondering if you need to get your atlas adjusted, look in the mirror or look at a picture of yourself. Do your eyes look off balance? Do your shoulders look off balance? Do you naturally tilt your head to one side or the other? When you sit on the sofa, are you most comfortable leaning one way or the other? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. If you'd like to get a free consultation with a doctor near you who adjusts atlases, go to the website TurnMyPowerOn.com. We link to it on our website, TurnMyPowerOn.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. Um, today is kind of a special day for us. Uh, this is going to be our first in-studio guest. Uh, and a big thank you to uh, Mansur Sempier, our IT guy, for uh, setting up uh, a second microphone. So we actually do uh, have, have an interview with a guest in studio. And it's an honor to, uh, to welcome our, our next guest, Doug Reed. Now, he, uh, Doug, how long have you been a Justice of the Peace in uh, Pulaski County, Arkansas? Oh, boy, that is a good question. Uh, how long have I been a Justice of the Peace? Uh, 14 years, maybe. I, okay. I, you know, I'd right. have to go look to be exact, but something like that. Now, something like 70% of our listeners are outside the state of Arkansas, so I'll just tell you um, something I learned when I came to Arkansas. Uh, Justice of the Peace in Arkansas translates in most of the other 49 states to county commissioner. That's correct. We're not talking about a magistrate. If you if you get arrested on a Friday night for drunken or disorderly, you you appear before him on Saturday morning. That's that's not what this is. That's correct. It's more like being a county commissioner. Uh, but even though um, even though Doug is an elected official in Pulaski County, Arkansas, the county that has Little Rock in it, uh, that's not actually why he's here today. Uh, Doug, you taught at uh, uh, an esteemed private school in Pulaski County, Arkansas, called Pulaski Academy for 27 years, uh, but you're no longer there. And one of the reasons that I thought it would be a good idea to have you on today, uh, I no longer do local talk radio in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, the central Arkansas market, but um, we do a national uh, live stream, national podcast now. But I think your story, what happened to you in Little Rock, Arkansas, is – kind of a microcosm of what's going on in a lot of parts of the country. I think people will be able to relate to it. So what uh, what has happened to you recently uh, that finds you no longer uh, teaching at Pulaski County, pardon me, at Pulaski Academy? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so appreciative of that. And um, so I uh, have been teaching at Pulaski Academy for 27 years. I teach the physics classes there, and in particular the AP physics classes. Um, 
And starting in the fall of 2020, we were all schools were kind of under a mask mandate, which uh, mandates are not laws. Laws are passed by legislatures, signed by a governor or president. Yeah. And so um, I complied with that. And in the in the fall of 2021, when they said we were going to be masked up again, I just began praying about it. It felt like a lie to me. Uh, I mean. It, because looking at the data, mask, I mean, it's just hard to show peer-reviewed data that show that masks actually work. And as I prayed through it and asked God about it, and if people aren't into the relational part of Christianity, they're not going to understand this, but basically the Holy Spirit's my counselor. Yeah. And through working with me, I came to the conclusion that I shouldn't wear a mask anymore, which became a... Uh, a uh, seriously held or sincerely held religious belief. So I wrote a letter of religious exemption to Pulaski Academy on December 22nd and sent an email also, sent the actual letters by registered mail. Um, Didn't hear anything. And then on December 30th, I got a reply letter that said they rejected my religious exemption based on it would be a burden to them and their explanation had something to do with I would have to have substitutes because if I was exposed to COVID, I'd have to go home if I didn't have a mask on. So where that science comes from, I'm sure pretty sure that was made up. I'm probably by the Arkansas department of health. Sure. So anyway, They, they make up a lot of stuff. They do. And so I didn't respond to them. I th- I just thought surely they wouldn't fire me, so I decided uh, I uh, I was going to show up Monday morning on January third and make a final appeal. And um, so I did and prayed about it and decided, hey, I just need to go in Monday morning to the headmaster's office and do that. So I did. I went in and said, I don't know what y'all were thinking, but when I said I had a sincerely held religious belief about this, I was serious. I can't wear a mask. Yeah. At which point he said, well, you can't teach here then. And he tried to say he didn't fire me. Well, I didn't. I said, oh, I'm not quitting. So at that point, I walked to my room and School hadn't started yet, but students were in there, and we normally on January, I don't know what all other schools do, but I always hand back semester tests. Right. The kids look over, be sure I graded it correctly, and it looks fair to them. Yeah. And he came in while I was doing that and told me I had to go, and I said something like, so does that mean you're firing me? And he said, you come with me, and he escorted me out of the building, and I said, uh, my, I'm under contract to teach. I'm just trying to fulfill my contract. Nowhere in my contract does it say I have to wear a mask. And, I mean, he basically said, take that up with our lawyer. And and so I was escorted out of my room and left campus. Haven't heard anything from them since. Shocked, honestly, that all this happened. I did not expect it to go that far and them to be that married to the mask mandate. But he refused to actually say you're fired. Yes, but I think if you look at him escorting me out that's kind of obvious that they well yeah sure it's just right but he did not say those words you know they had a lot of time it seems like to come up with a plan and it sounds like even with all that time to come up with a plan 
he was somewhat caught off guard that you're actually going to follow through with this because I mean, it, you know, it's one thing to say, well, look, this is, this is your view. This is our view. Sorry. We come to a, a parting of the ways, but, uh, but you're fired. Right. But he, but, but he wouldn't even say that. Right. Wow. Probably from a legal point of view, I guess I'm not a lawyer. I don't know, but there's probably something behind that. He was told. Okay. Now in, in, in setting up this, this story, as you did a few minutes ago, um, as part of it, I wasn't quite clear on. Um, they follow the mask mandate. You follow the mask mandate when the governor had set it up in the first place, and then you came to a point spiritually where you just felt like you couldn't, in good conscience, go on with this. But the part I'm not clear on. Um, so the fall semester, had they gotten off the mask mandate for a while? They told us going into the fall semester we would be mask optional. Okay. And then all of a sudden a few days, and I have to go look at the dates, but they sure. cut me out of all my emails and everything, So, but I'd have to go look at the date. But not very long before school started, they all of a sudden said, oh, by the way, we're going to be masked up now because coronavirus is out of control. Uh, and this is in August. Basically, in August, I think. You know? Okay. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. We're not going to be mask optional because – you know, Doug, um, it's interesting because I recall when the governor finally said, okay, we're going to lift the mask mandate. And when I would go to the Kroger grocery store, um, I, I went to several uh, to, to shop on a regular basis in Little Rock, Arkansas. We went from all of a sudden – 90% of people wearing masks to 90% of people not wearing masks once the governor said, okay, mask mandate's off. Now, a few weeks later, oh, wait a minute. Wait, hold your horses. Hang on. I mean, we're not reinstating the mask mandate or anything, you know, through the governor's office, but we got this scary new Delta variant. Oh, my goodness. Oh, hey, whoa, wait a minute. You've got this whole new ball game here. And all of a sudden, I would go to the Kroger grocery store, and half the people are wearing masks again all of a sudden. Some of them even in the parking lot by themselves, getting in the car with a mask on. And um, I'm reminded of recent podcasts I saw a guy named Joe Rogan who does a video podcast over there in Spotify. It was on YouTube, but YouTube keeps taking it down. Recently with Dr. Robert Malone, who's talking about uh, mass formation psychosis. Yeah, yeah. And getting people to believe things despite any available evidence. Cognitive dissonance. Yes. Just in one ear and out the other. I don't care. I'm not susceptible to logic. I'm not susceptible to linear reasoning. I believe what I believe, and I don't care what you say. And it seems that we are running into a lot of that. Now, has that been your experience in in dealing with the the school board at Pulaski Academy? Seems like it. I mean, a lot of people, and I've been asked this on some interviews, is this, do you think this is about health and safety or do you think it's about something else? And I, I mean, it's just 
astounds me when I look at, and I've given them peer reviewed data. Um, it's almost okay. So one of the best, <laughs> one of the best movies that happened to us is the matrix. Okay. They have the red pill and the blue pill. Yeah. You take the blue pill, you go back to sleep, you wake up in your room, believe ever, you know, but if you take the red pill, you're, you wake up and understand what's really going on. And so yeah. I guess yeah. not very many of us have taken that, but, um, I, it's shocking to me reading the, the peer and I'm a science person. I read peer review. I mean, I'm a reader. I read all kinds of things Yeah, and it's just really hard. You can find a few mass studies that maybe show that they slow things down. But if you look at just the coronavirus studies, I mean, yeah. there's like the big Danish study. I mean, it just showed no difference and places like New York city that has mask rules and lots of vaccination it still they have problems still and it just doesn't seem to make a difference and to block somebody's airway you know i'm a temple of the holy spirit and i'm not going to be able to get oxygen i mean there's all kinds of verses we could use as christians to show how negative that is uh you know if they showed that they 100 percent worked and you will not get sick and you will not get anybody else sick if you wear this then Maybe we could make a justification, but it it does not show that. But but it, it's crazy to think you're going to block your breathing eight hours a day and not get sick. Uh, crazy, and all the bacteria that's on them. Uh, I mean, it's a petri dish on your face. Eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're talking about uh, being a man of science yourself. You taught physics for all those years, and you read a lot. You read a lot of studies about masks. The best study I saw was a short video of a guy standing outside in very cold weather, putting a mask on, and as he breathes, you see all his breath come out the sides of the mask. And it's just like, okay, well, obviously, this is not protecting anybody from anything. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been head of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases since... uh, President Reagan appointed him in the mid-80s, said as recently as March 2020, oh, mask, you know, that's not really, uh, uh, it's not going to do, there's no point, uh, please. uh, You know, a few weeks before he said, oh, everybody got to mask up. Yes. (laughs) And I asked uh, Dr. Jennifer Dillahay, chief epidemiologist for the Arkansas Department of Health about that, because there was Fauci in March of 2020 saying no, Masks aren't any good. As late as May 2020, an article in the New England Journal of Medicine saying the same thing. I said, so why all this push for masks? And she said, oh, we've learned so much since then. And A, she never told me what we learned since then. And B, it's like, oh, so Fauci was just like in pre-med or something? I mean. There were that many studies that came out between March and whenever he said start yeah. wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, that a couple many of months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Fauci didn't know a thing about it. I mean, it's um, it's ridiculous, and yet we see people to this day walking around outside by themselves, getting in a car by themselves, wearing masks, um, and um, they have the blue pill. They just have, yeah. Just believe it, no matter what. And don't show me the science. I think it's a spiritual thing. There's nothing we're gonna we're gonna be able to do to 
prayer to, to change people. <laughs> Maybe yeah, you pray for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pray for people. Yeah, but but you can't force <laughs> yeah, people can't, to yeah, right. to see the light. You're right. Um. So once you got walked out of uh, Pulaski Academy by, I guess the the headmaster is that yes yes sir. So what happened then? Well, uh, I went home and I had previously, uh, and this is in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I had previously set up a GoFundMe for a legal defense fund. Yeah, wondering, I mean, just in case, I didn't think it would come to this. I thought they would realize, wow, we're going to destroy a whole. And I feel sorry for my students. I would go if they would make mask optional for teachers and students. Yeah. I would go back. Sure. Just for my students, I sure. would, because I did not walk off from them. I was made to leave. Right. But um, I, I uh, set up a GoFundMe for a legal defense fund, and so it went live that Monday, and I think this is Thursday, and I've got, uh, last I looked, it was $10,500 people had donated to wow. it. Wow, 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 so, wow. Um, so if people go to GoFundMe and type in your name, Doug Reed, uh, you probably go to my Facebook page. Your Facebook page, Doug dot Reed. That's R E E D. Doug Doug. If I can talk, Doug dot Reed dot sixteen twelve. It's it's on there. Okay. And and the link is on there. The GoFundMe link is kind of complicated, but uh, yeah, okay. people want to support me in that because if you read my GoFundMe, it's not just a, and I'm not trying to punish anybody. I don't want money from PA. I want them to have to obey the constitution. Constitution, the First Amendment, and Title Seven, which says you cannot be as discriminated against for a whole bunch of things. One of them is religion. And, yeah, and so uh, I just want, and if we are successful in court on this, then that would apply to other employers too, where they have to recognize that, and you know, give up on the COVID rules that don't make sense anyway most of the time. Now, do you think their defense is something like? Well, we're um, not the government. We're a private business, and we basically do whatever we want. Well, I mean, according to Title VII, businesses can't do whatever they want. No, I, I right? understand but that. that. Probably, right. probably, yeah. or or they'll say it's an undue hardship to let people do this because then we won't be able to have in-person school. But And see, so the Arkansas Health Department's real smart in getting us in slavery because if you look at the rules before – this school year and the rules this school year, they changed them that kind of made us have to have mask on. Um, because last year, if you were exposed to anybody that had COVID and you had a mask on, you had to be quarantined. Uh, and they had some rules on that besides just you had to be exposed a certain amount of time, a certain distance. Well, this year they changed the whole rule and said, now if you have a mask on, you don't have to be quarantined. <laughs> so they changed that. Now, where did that science come from all of a sudden between last school year and this school year? To me, it was just so they could give schools a scary reason not to let anybody be unmasked. And that, that, that rule change was from the Arkansas Department of Health. Well, I think so. I mean, I think so. You yeah. know, we need to research it more, but that's yeah. uh, that's what the school is saying. I don't think they made it up. I think Yeah, sure. They, they probably, probably got that the guidance from the health department. The health department has a whole website set up just to help schools and i won't say just for covid but it's resources for elementary and high schools yeah and a whole section is devoted to covid19 and if you read it it's i mean it 
It's like, where do they get the science for that? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with science. I don't either. Um, you know, I had their chief epidemiologist on late summer, early fall of last year. Um, and I said, you know, uh, Dr. Dillahay, when we first became aware of COVID-19 and we had all these, uh, instructions about what to do, I said, um, whenever I go to the grocery store, I'd come home and spray everything I bought with this 70% alcohol solution. She said, oh, good, good. I said, but Dr. Dillahay, the CDC admitted months ago you can't get COVID from a dry surface. Well, she knew that, but she was still saying, oh, great, yeah, do that. (laughs) And, um, I mean, how could she not know that, right? I know. I mean, she's a professional, highly educated, and it's like there's another agenda somehow. I mean, the idea which was widely accepted and widely mandated that when you go into a restaurant, you better have your mask on, and then once you sit down at the table and make your drink order, then you can take the mask off. Because COVID is very polite, and you know once they see that, okay, well this this, this couple is sitting at the table now and preparing to eat, then then COVID won't bother you. Uh, and, and people bought into this. Uh, the the idea, for that matter, that and 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 uh, as far as I know, all fifty state health departments bought into this. Uh, hence the the na- national nature of the story. Um that you could take this PCR technique, the developer of which, Dr. Kerry Mullis, won a Nobel Prize for the PCR technique, and he always maintained this is not a test to determine if you currently have a virus or if you are currently sick. And 50 state health departments and the FDA and the CDC and the NIH all said, we don't care what the guy said who developed this. We're going to pretend it is a test. And they've taken it away, I think, and then, I understand. And then halfway through 2020, the CDC said, <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, about this uh, PCR, um, uh, at the end of the year, we are going to um, bring to a close our request to the FDA for emergency use authorization of the PCR. So uh, are you doctors out there, are you hospitals, healthcare facilities? Um, you need to make some plans now because after December 31st, 2021, you're going to have to migrate to a different kind of test because you know, six months out, we're going to say at that point, we're not going to use a PCR anymore. But, I mean, the whole time, you have the words ringing in your ears from the doctor who developed it in the first place 40 years ago. They wanted to use it to test for HIV AIDS in the 80s. He's like, well, no, this isn't really a test to see if you have a virus, to see if you're sick. And 50 state health departments and everybody in the federal federal government, CDC, FDA, NIH, like, well, forget him. We're going to pretend it's a test yep. to determine whether you got the Wu flu, the China virus, if I may use the term in present company. <laughs> um, so anyway um, – so, so you raised $10,500 on the GoFundMe. Um, 
and you've been interviewed by a lot of folks. Now, you mentioned the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, which is the big newspaper uh, in Little Rock, actually the biggest newspaper in the state. Um, have any of the uh, the TV stations been interested in your story? They have. I haven't answered them yet. Okay. So I want to be sure that the story's treated. I don't mind the other side. I just want to be sure it's not manipulated. So I have not contacted them back yet. Yeah, you'll see. And, and that's a, a good point because a lot of times, um, quote, reporters, unquote, for television stations have an agenda. That's what I wonder about. That's only, I mean, other than that, I'd, I'd do it. And you can sit there and be interviewed for an hour, and then they take a 15- or 20-second clip to fit into their story, and you're sitting there watching the evening news going, okay, wait, um, that's taken out of context. That's not what I meant to do. That's not what I was trying to say. So I have been contacted by them, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just careful. Well, the concern I would have... Um, for instance, I'm old enough to remember a few months back when the UAMS and for our listeners outside of Arkansas, University of Arkansas medical system, which is a state agency, yes, planted a story with all the local television stations in Little Rock saying how ridiculous and dangerous it is for people to even consider taking ivermectin if they get COVID-19 because, and I quote, that's just horse paste. Okay. Dang, horse paste. <laughs> Why y'all taking horse paste if you're sick and you're, because you're people, you're not horses. And three out of the four TV stations bought it hook, line, and sinker because they're not actually journalists. If the UAMS says it, it must be true. They, and they, they don't check anything out. And there's no point in trying to research it. Um, to his credit... Bob Clawson, evening news anchor over at Channel 4, didn't run with it the way his sister station, Fox 16, did or the way his competitors, THV 11 and uh, and KTV, did. Everybody else just took the ball and ran with it. Well, UMS said it, so it must be true. You know? It's just like uh, THV 11, they got this uh, We Verify. They got a segment called We Verify. So last year... They said they got an email from somebody in Hot Springs who was worried to death because he'd heard that Walmart might stop enforcing their mask mandate. So to verify, they called Walmart corporate and said, no, of course they still have a mask mandate. Now, if they're actually journalists, they would have sent somebody in with uh, you know a hidden video camera in her purse to see if she could walk into a Walmart in Little Rock or Hot Springs not wearing a mask, which, of course, everyone could do. Yes. Oh, no. We verified that's false. They still enforce the mask mandate. Why? Not because we tried to walk into Walmart without a mask on, but because we called corporate, which is a lot easier. Yes. So that's the state of, quote, journalism, unquote, at most of TV news these days, local or national. Well, how do you know uh, January 6th was a was an insurrection. Well, Nancy Pelosi said so, so that's, you know, good enough for us. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go out the subject. <laughs> I we'll, mean, it's we'll, all related. It's we'll, all related. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that a little bit later. We have uh, a couple of uh, 
people who are at January 6th coming on the show a little bit later. Um, yeah, so I guess um, in your deciding whether to go on local television about this, you might be thinking, well, how do we establish some ground rules here, right? Yeah, right, correct. And I don't know how you do that. I don't either. I mean, they have control over it. It's their company, but yeah. I, don't, I don't have to cooperate with them if I don't want to. Yeah. Well, one thing I've seen people do, and I'm technologically challenged, so I don't know how you do this, but uh, set up their own video camera. So you're videotaping the entire interview that they're videotaping. You know, that way, if you're taken out of context, you go on social media and, and say, well, here's what I actually said in context. Right, right. Just a thought. <laughs> Just a thought, you know. Um, I've seen people do that, but it's usually people with a lot of money and a video crew themselves who, you know. Come in. <laughs> can protect themselves that way. Right, right. You know, just a thought. Um, so you would like to go back to teaching, obviously, and uh, the um, not just the headmaster, but I guess the um, um, school board of Pulaski Academy yeah. seem to be steadfast and immovable. So far, I'm praying. I'm praying. Yeah. We got lots of people praying. Yeah, amen. And uh, Have you talked to any of the people on the school board or just the headmaster that day? Just the headmaster. Okay. Um, and uh, I've talked to several attorneys, and I have them looking into it, and I haven't chosen one yet. Yeah. Uh, so. But clearly, the you know the school board, if they wanted to overrule the headmaster, they probably would have done oh, that by now. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and, and they were all on board with the letter that was sent out about hey, mask mandate. I don't mandate. know. I actually don't know. They, okay. All their signatures weren't on it. So. You know, were well, they all behind it? Did they all know about it? Did they know this was going to happen? I don't know. Did just one or two people come up with yeah. that or three people? Or did the whole school board or board of trustees is what they call them? Did they okay. all look at it and all sign off on it and then said, okay, send him a letter? I don't know. That's, that's a good question to that's, ask. That's odd. That's odd. You know, it's a, it's a mystery wrapped in a puzzle and shrouded in an enigma. Because ordinarily, I mean, how many people are on the board of trustees? Oh, like 20. I'd have to go count for sure, but 20 or 30. I mean, a bunch. Really? A bunch. And if you try to get everybody to agree, are you going to get everybody to agree? Probably not. So that's I, a, I just thought it'd be like five or six people. Yeah, no, there's a, there's quite a few. I'd have to go count. Uh, wow. Wow. You can look it up on you know on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's all on there, but there's a bunch of them. That's amazing. That's amazing. So um, I guess the upshot is... <clears throat> Um, Doug Reed, uh, who taught physics at Pulaski Academy, Little Rock, Arkansas, for 27 years, um, uh, laments that, in his view, Pulaski Academy chose to ignore his sincerely held religious belief that this foolishness about wearing masks uh, has been disregarded. And for no apparent reason, did, did they explain to you, well, no, Doug, uh, Here's why you got it wrong, because masks work, and we can prove it. Did that? Nope. I no, didn't think so. No, no. I didn't think so. Oh, this is what we want. Yes. Yes. Oh, in the words of the great philosopher Woody Allen, the heart knows what it wants. You know, I'm I'm reminded of the the historical charge of the Light Brigade. Yours is not to question why. 
Yours is but to do or die. And I don't think, well, you know, I was going to wrap this up, but let me just ask you something. Because you are a man of science, um, been teaching this stuff for years. What do you think when you hear government authority figures, authority figures in medical establishments say, this is settled science. What do you think when you hear Fauci say, if they're going against me, they're going against science because I represent science? Well, first of all, science is never settled. Science is about ex- is about experimenting, seeing if it works, yeah. experimenting again. It's all about debate. Uh, science is a bunch of arguments, honestly, and there's never really settled science. Um. And so to say anything is settled is is what they did to Gal, uh, Galileo a long time ago when he was arguing that the sun was the center of our solar system and the authorities that be said, no, the earth is the center and the science is settled. So it's the same kind of idea as uh, what happened to him. Yeah, and, and by the way... Um by the way, when my guest Doug Reed um, references uh, Galileo, uh, that was an actual historical figure, not just a a, a line in a, in a in a song by Queen. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I, I digress. I'm a recovering DJ, just impersonating a talk show host. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. You probably have, but some of our listeners, I bet, haven't. I've got a two-minute clip here. From Dr. Kerry Mullis, the guy who developed the PCR technique over 40 years ago, sadly passed away August 2019, just just a few months before the, the China virus um, caught the attention of everybody in the world. And he had some very pointed things to say about Anthony Fauci. Have you ever heard this clip? You know, I probably haven't. I, I All right. Maybe. We'll All see. Right. All right, check this out. We're going to. Mute the uh, microphones for two minutes and share this with, with everybody. Dr. Kerry Mullis, the guy who developed the PCR technique in the early 80s. What is it, what, what is it about humanity that, 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 that wants to go to the, all the details and stuff and listen? You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine. And he, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people, and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. You know, those guys have got an agenda, which is not what we would like them to have, being that we pay for them to take care of our health in some way. They've got a personal kind of agenda. They make up their own rules as they go. They change them when they want to. And they smugly, like Tony Fauci, does not mind going on television in front of the people that pay his salary and lie directly into the camera. You can't expect the sheep to really respect the best and the brightest. They don't know the difference, really. I mean, I, I like humans, don't, don't get me wrong, but basically there is a, there is a, there's a vast, the vast majority of them do not possess the the ability to judge who is and who isn't a really good scientist 
I mean, that's a problem. That's a main problem, actually, with science, I'd say, in this century, because science is being judged by people. Funding is being done by people who don't understand it. Okay, who do we trust? Fauci? Fauci doesn't know enough to, you know. If Fauci wants to get on television with somebody who knows a little bit about this stuff and debate him, he could easily do it, because he's been asked. I mean, I've had a lot of people, president of the University of South Carolina, ask Fauci if he'd come down there and debate me on the stage in front of the student body, because I wanted somebody who was from the other side to come down there and balance my, because I felt like, well, these guys can listen to me. But I need to have somebody else down here that's going to tell me the other side. But it was, he didn't want to do it. No, he didn't want to do it. Have you ever heard that clip before? I haven't. That's the first time. What do you think? That's pretty amazing. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I just resonate with that. I mean, you can tell there's an agenda. I, I don't understand the people that are scared and think all this is true. It's not that coronavirus isn't true. But it's a virus. If you look at the overall statistics, I think last time I read, it's like 99.94% survivable. Yeah. And in kids, it's even better, like 99.99 something. Yeah. But they pretend it isn't, and they're trying to get five-year-olds vaccinated. I mean, yeah. What, what does that tell you? Yeah, and they put masks on little kids, and Brown University just came out with a study that kids that are masked and isolated – lose 23% of their cognitive ability. And so what are we doing? Well, I saw a picture a few months ago of some of our state's apparently best and brightest at some kind of a photo op, some kind of press opportunity at a uh, an elementary school in Little Rock, Arkansas. And there was Governor Asa Hutchinson, Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott Jr., U.S. Representative French Hill, um, Superintendent of Little Rock School District, uh, Michael Poor, and one other guy, I can't remember. Uh, it was some kind of ev- event where bicycles had been donated to little, oh, yeah. ki- little kids. I, I think I remember that. And so all five of them are standing there smiling broadly, they're not socialist distancing. They're real close together. But in front of them were like four or five-year-old kids in masks. Did they have masks on? No. No, no, no. Interesting. The governor had no mask on. The congressman had no mask on. The mayor had no mask on. Uh, the superintendent of Little Rock School District had no mask on. But they made the five-year-old stand out front. These four pitiful, sad-looking five-year-olds had to wear masks while the adults don't have to wear masks, you know, it's uh, it's so unfair and so hypocritical. I, I saw a few months back, can't remember the name of the basketball player, some NBA guy. I'm not a big NBA fan. This is uh, his team was in practice; they weren't in the regular season, and he's sitting on the sidelines with his little boy. The little boy looked like he's about a year and a half, two years old, toddler. And he's putting a mask on the little boy, but he's not wearing a mask. Hmm. And this is on Twitter, on social media, and all these comments, what a wonderful dad, what a caring dad. And I'm like, no. No, he's a hypocrite. Two-year-old is not in danger 
A healthy two-year-old is not in danger from the woo flu. Dad might be, but dad's not wearing a mask. Yeah, right. He's virtue signaling, putting a mask on this little fella who needs to breathe. And it's child abuse, in my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. (laughs) Um, So uh, where do you go from here? Uh, Doug Reed, I guess uh, you're trying to kind of pray through this situation and decide about uh, possibly getting a lawyer. And uh, it will be, of course, helpful if people go to your Facebook page and if they felt led, uh, donate to the to GoFundMe because uh, this is an important case. And, and uh, I hope it wakes people up. You know, I hope people wake up. Because if, if all of us just decided we weren't going to go along with all this, yeah, it would end. Yeah. I mean, businesses couldn't afford to lose all the people. Uh, government couldn't control it. And I, so people need to wake up and... Take the red pill. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the the um, the example, another NBA story, a guy named Kyrie Kyrie Irving, uh, played for Brooklyn. What do they call them? The Brooklyn Nets, I think. Uh, the NBA, and um, they kicked him off the team because he refused to go along with the NBA vaccine mandate. And now they're at the point where so many of their vaccinated players are out sick with COVID. They're like. Hey, uh, Kyrie, uh, <laughs> Can you, come you, you mind you mind coming back because you're a real good basketball player, and we're we're uh, kind of between a rock and a hard place here, brother. We're in the middle of a season, and uh, so many guys fully vaxxed and boosted are sick, and you're not. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how this plays out sometimes. Well, uh, you know, speaking of which. Um, there's a woman named Dr. Leanna Wynn. She used to be the head of Planned Parenthood. And she was cool with the abortions and everything. You'd have to be to be the head of Planned Parenthood. But she said, you know, we need to actually expand, broaden our business model and get into other areas besides just abortion. And Planned Parenthood's board of directors said, that's blasphemy. You're fired. She's like, really? I'm, I mean, I'm still a liberal. I'm still pro-abortion, but... You're firing me. Yeah, you're fired. Oh, okay. So she gets a gig being uh, a medical expert on CNN. Oh, wow. And she said the other day on CNN, cloth masks don't work, period. Good for her. Yeah. on An honest person. On CNN, by the way. It's just, you know, wrap your mind around that. So, uh, and, and nobody, nobody, uh, nobody said, hey, wait a minute, you can't say that on CNN. So um, I think there are going to be some changes because I think that um, a lot of the Democrats realize that the midterms are happening in less than a year, and a lot of people want to get this behind them because they have taken the red pill. Good so, for them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, Doug Reed, appreciate you coming to the Doc Washburn Show today. Um, uh, coming up a little bit later, we will be talking to two different people from Arkansas who actually were at the Capitol on January 6th to try to find out what's really going on. I got a little hint for you. There was no insurrection. Uh, The Doc Washburn Show continues in mere moments.
You're listening to The Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. You can now listen live weekdays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at DocWashburnShow.com. Podcast available at DocWashburnShow.com and for download at Spotify, iTunes, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. We are on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right, there you have it. Coming up, coming up at, uh, at 1230 Central, uh, 130 Eastern, we'll have a, a pastor on. Uh, he and his wife were actually at uh, the Capitol on January 6th. They're at the Trump rally before that. Uh, coming up at uh, 1 Eastern, noon Central, so about 12 minutes from now, we'll have uh, Richard Bigo Barnett on. He's the guy whose picture was taken when he was in Nancy Pelosi's office for just a few moments with his feet up on the desk, and he's being prosecuted for that. So, uh, Because, you know, today is the... Um, the one-year anniversary of, well, it wasn't an insurrection, so they're no longer calling it an insurrection. It uh, Now they're calling it a, uh, a riot. Well, a riot. If it was a riot, it was a police riot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's getting ridiculous. Yesterday, none other than Ted Cruz, a guy who used to run for president and wants to run for president again, yesterday Ted Cruz said that uh, January 6th was a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol. Well, that's outrageous. That's ridiculous. That's not true. Um, so why do you say it? Why do you say it? Um, I wonder if uh, our guests will have any any ideas on that. We'll find out. We'll find out when they come on the show with us here in just a little bit. So, this morning, ridiculous things, ridiculous things have been said. You got uh, Dementia Joe out there, and Kamala Harris out there, comparing January 6th at the U.S. Capitol to 9-11. 9-11. In the meantime, 
I wonder if they're trying to distract from some of the things they're trying to do. Like this little nugget of news, which dropped yesterday evening. Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App will now have to report transactions totaling more than $600 to the IRS as Biden plans to ramp up financial enforcement. Have you heard about this? No, of course not. Everybody's talking about January 6th. The new reporting requirement will ensure that small businesses that receive payments through those apps are paying their fair share in taxes on them. Beginning January 1st, 2022. That's like five days ago, right? Third-party payment processors were required to report such transactions. The changes will be included during the 2022 tax season. The payment apps were previously required to send users 1099-K forms if their gross income exceeded $20,000 or had more than 200 transactions per year. Yeah. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. I'm saying. Now they don't want to. They don't. They don't want you to look at that. Yeah, look over here. Don't look over there. Let's uh, distract everybody. Let's distract everybody. And, you know, I was watching Fox for a little bit, eating, wolfing down some breakfast before I started doing the show today. And um, Harris Faulkner, who's one of the the few on Fox that I I like and I think tries to do a, a fair and balanced job, she had Ari Fleischer on, who was a, press secretary for George W. Bush. And neither one of them seemed to be aware of the possibility that the feds might have had anything to do with January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. Um, They both were acting like, well, it was mostly peaceful, but some people got out of hand and and the rioters need to be dealt with uh, severely by the justice system. Neither one of them had seemed to have any concept that perhaps there are a lot of federal agents there that day instigating things, and that perhaps some Trump supporters were fighting police in self-defense. I was totally lost in Harris Faulkner and uh, Ari Fleischer today, and, and that was a shame. Look, I got I got to tell you something that, that is coming up here this weekend and tomorrow. Um, if you've seen Joe Rogan's interview with Dr. Robert Malone, which millions of Americans have seen, if you haven't, I strongly recommend it. Dr. Malone... 
actually invented the technology, the mRNA technology that's now being used in the COVID vaccines. Podcast he did with Joe Rogan tells you the truth about the China virus and the U.S. government's lies. We've seen a lot of evidence that doctors and hospitals are killing people by refusing to treat them for the Wu flu. The info that Dr. Malone shares on the Joe Rogan podcast is a matter of life and death. I watched the whole podcast interview. It went over three hours, but you don't want to miss a minute of it. In it, Dr. Malone mentions his organization, GlobalCovidSummit.org. Now, a number of doctors associated with Dr. Malone are going to be hosting the latest Global COVID Summit this Saturday at Apostolic Church on Landers Road in North Little Rock. If you're in the area, plan to join us. Tickets are available at globalcovidsummit.org. So, um, yeah, come on and have a seat. I'm going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Amy Beard, uh, one of the doctors who's going to be speaking at Global COVID Summit in North Little Rock this Saturday. We'll have her on tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. And um, she's one of those rare doctors who's not averse to telling you that ivermectin actually actually might work on the woo-flu. So that is tomorrow, Friday, November 7th, noon Eastern, 11 Central. And again, if you are... In the, um, if you're in the central Arkansas area, I would highly recommend that you check out, um, that you go to globalcovidsummit.org and get your tickets for Saturday. Okay, our guest is on hold. Uh, let me, uh, let me mention this real quickly and then we'll get to our guest. Always the elephant in the room, Obamacare which they jammed down our throats back in 2009. Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. First thing you see is the words Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. Such a deal, right? You click on the button that says schedule call now. Book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, and he will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. On top of which, unlike some of those Obamacare plans, you get a personalized plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. Again, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Just click on the schedule call now button and save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. All right, um, I see that our next guest is, is on hold. So let's uh, let's bring him on if we can uh, if we can get the uh, the phone going through here. Um, producer 
Brian, if you can uh, go ahead and call us up and we'll we'll take it. Ah, direct call. There we go. Here we go. <clears throat> All right, we want to welcome our next guest, um, Richard Barnett. Uh, I, I think nickname is Big O. Richard Big O Barnett from Fayetteville, Arkansas. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Doc. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm I'm from I'm from Gravit, Arkansas. Oh, Gravit. Okay, Gravit, Arkansas. All right, I, I stand corrected. Now, when when people, uh, I've been doing talk radio for years and years and years, and and now we're doing the the live stream slash podcast. And I always recommend to folks, if there are any, if there's any kind of legal situation going on, uh, take your lawyer's advice. And I say that all that to say this, um, even though you were made famous worldwide by uh, having your feet up on Pelosi's desk uh, when you're in her office for just a few minutes on January 6th, uh, 2021, I understand uh, that per lawyer's orders, you can discuss what happened before you went into the Capitol and after you came out of the Capitol, but understandably, we're not going to be able to discuss what happened in the Capitol. Do, do I understand the ground rules correctly? That is correct. Doc. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've not been to trial yet. Right, right, right. Well, I mean... I always am trying to look out for the uh, um, the best interest of of my guests. So I, I certainly understand, uh, you know, your attorney. And, and is that uh, Joseph McBride, by the way? That is, it's Joseph McBride. He's a great guy. I interviewed him when I was still doing local talk radio in Little Rock. Hope to have him back on with the uh, the national live stream podcast that we're doing. Uh, but he's a great guy. He's going to give you the best advice. Uh, so as yes, much as I'm, a, I'm sure that he will be glad to come back on. Yeah. As much as I or anybody in media, uh, well, if you can call what I do media, I mean, such as it is, uh, would <laughs> love to get the scoop on what happened you know, Pelosi's office. We get it. Lawyer's advice. Can't talk about that. So let's talk about what we can talk about. Um, first of all, did you hear what Ted Cruz said yesterday about January 6th? Holy crap. You, you, you did hear what he said? Yes, I did. Okay, uh, now, before, know, before I get your response, let me play it for everybody in case, in case they didn't hear it. Yeah, people need to hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this really shocked a lot of us, and, uh, and here it is. Uh, we are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage, incredible bravery, uh, risk their lives uh, to defend the men and women who serve in this Capitol. All right, Richard Bigo Barnett, you heard Ted Cruz say that yesterday. Uh, wh- what's your response, sir? Yeah, okay. Well, let's set the record straight. Uh, instead of talking about Ted and what a louse he really is, uh, and he's just ruined himself in politics, uh, yeah. like most of the GOP, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to respond to that. I was there. Uh, we, uh, American patriots, conservatives, uh, constitutionalists, uh, went to the Capitol to protest um the election process, which now is coming out, is just a rotten, rotten situation. Yeah. Uh, people are coming out to, to their guilt and everything else, and nothing's being done about it. But let's just keep it short. So let me say this. 
We went there to peacefully protest. Afterwards, we walked to the Capitol. Along the way, I shook police officers' hands. Uh, before I ever went to the Capitol and long before any of this happened, I was already doing black back-to-blue rallies. I want to get this part straight. I was already doing back-to-blue rallies. I was raising money to buy body cams for small-town police departments that could not afford it. Wow. So I do the blue, okay? I had a Second Amendment rights group, over 500 members. That's all shut down for now. But I say that to say this. We were walking to the Capitol. I was shaking hands with police officers, thanking them for being there. Metro police uh, arrived at the Capitol. A couple of Capitol police came by me. I was standing on the west, oh, let's see, it would have been the, uh, the, the northwest corner, which is a rise up there by the Capitol, which I jokingly, when I'm telling my story, and not really jokingly, but I call it the grassy No, I guess more to make a point. And I'm looking down on this huge crowd that's come up. Many in this crowd had walked with me. I'm talking about wheelchairs, uh, elderly, families with children, and they had gathered there in front of the scaffolding. And to keep the story short, suddenly out of nowhere, myself and my two friends who were observing this watched the police sneak up from behind and start shooting tear gas and flash bombs into the crowd. Okay? Wow. The crowd rushed forward into the tunnel where other officers were there to beat them. That video is now available on Joe uh, on Joe's website. I'll try to post it up later if you follow me on Twitter at yeah. Big O Barnett. Uh, so the point is, yes, it was a violent, violent domestic terrorism on their part. It's treason on their part. And the truth will come out. And Ted Cruz is a louse, and he is not an American hero. He is an American failure. Yeah. Yeah, now, it's interesting you point this out because I've seen about a five-minute clip of the police in the West Terrace Tunnel um, just savagely beating um, Victoria an, White. A, yeah, an unarmed woman named Victoria White. But I didn't understand how the people how wound up in the, in the tunnel in the first place. So, yeah, actually, uh, as all this went on, also... You know, you got all these crocodiles here from these police officers at the Capitol, and woe is me, this is worse than Pearl Harbor, according to Kamala Harris. Well, let me tell you, it was we, the people, the citizens, the innocent citizens of the United States of America that suffered at the Capitol. And they can do their fake actor crocodile tears all they want. The truth will be told. Uh, Truth is light. Okay, now let me ask you, um, were you one of the people shoved into the uh, the tunnel, or you just kind of saw it from a little a bit of a distance? No, I was actually the, – the, actually, the tunnel is where the scaffolding was set up. If you approach the west side from the Washington Monument, yeah. the center door there, there's a tunnel going in. It's actually the back side of the Capitol. That main entrance is on the east side. Uh, on, the, on the southwest corner of the Capitol building, there's a rise, which, like I said, I call the grassy knoll. Yeah. And I was standing on the right looking down into this crowd. I could view, I view everything that went on. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I was shocked, to be honest with you. I was there with two of my buddies, big Marines. Uh, we had never even planned on going to the Capitol. We were going to walk on by, and we just saw this going on and stopped to watch it, and then history happened. But anyway, right. I even looked at them. They're both military. I looked at them. I said, what the heck's going on? And they looked at me and said, oh, my God, they're attacking them with tear gas and flash bombs. And I was going, holy crap. I mean, I'm, we were in amazement. I mean, you, today you can imagine I'm reliving a lot of it. I put myself back at that scene, and to this day I'm still going – what the hell? You know? Wow. You can tell I just talk real. I'm just telling what I saw, and I'm telling the truth. Now, um, 
for our listeners, I, I think it, uh, I think it, we need a little bit of clarification here on how uh, the video of what happened in the tunnel that day actually came to light. Your attorney, Joseph McBride, actually had to sue to get the government to release the video because they've got 14,000 hours of security camera video from January 6th and maybe even some from the evening of the 5th uh, that they don't want to release. And yes. and we won. We had already got, we had already gotten some of the video released, uh, not nearly enough. And I'm going to talk about that briefly too. We got yeah. most of the video released, but this was a critical critical piece of video to have, not only to show what instigated the whole situation, who really instigated, but also for Victoria. Because I mean, we, Joe actually filed a lawsuit, by the way, yesterday at the Capitol, a federal lawsuit on behalf of Victoria for what happened to her. She was struck 37 times with baton and punched in the face five times while trying to turn around and leave after getting shoved into that tunnel. I mean, this this woman's like what five foot two, 120 pounds or something like that, and the officers were just viciously and, and apparently in their sickness enjoying beating the hell out of her. Uh, people were trying to pull her out and help her out. And that video, that's the three hours it got released, and it's unbelievable. And one of the we things... Another, that leaves, what, another uh, 13,900 and, and, and uh, I can't do my math, 70, uh, 93 hours that yeah. people have to get. What it, they're saying is they won't release it for national security. My point is they've arrested us all. We have a right to defend ourselves, and the truth is in that video. Exactly. And, and one of the things that somebody pointed out, I, I, I wish I could... Remember who, but when you have a group of a bunch of law enforcement officers all in dark shirt shirts, and there's one guy in a white shirt, well, he's the boss. He, he he's he's the chief. He he's the guy in command. And it was the guy in the white shirt that was mostly the one viciously pummeling Victoria White in the face over and over and over again. That is correct. And. And actually, his crew followed his lead, uh, pack mentality. Some of them might even been decent guys. I don't know them. But when you get into that pack mentality and your boss is saying, waylay these suckers or whatever he was telling them at that time. We don't have uh, uh, audio, obviously. Uh, it, it, you know, and, and, and the sad part is mo- most of my fellow JC, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, most of my fellow J6 prisoners that are still in prison, yeah. uh, 12 months later, uh, some of them are just misdemeanors, but some of them are uh, charged with felony assault of, of an officer. At what point does it not become an assault of an officer and it becomes a defense of yourself and innocent people? Because nobody ever attacked an officer first. But I guarantee you there were people that are in prison right now that pulled those officers off of her and probably swung at them and everything else. What would you do as a patriotic American when a young American lady is getting attacked? You just stand by and watch? Yeah. I mean, that's what they did when Antifa ran rampant for a year. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Exactly. No question I'm about it. About this, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what? You, know, you, know, you can tell I'm very passionate about this. And, and understandably. So... What does it say to you that it seems to me there's only a handful of people in Congress who are calling attention to some of the misdeeds of that day? You got Marjorie Taylor Greene, 
Yes. The uh, freshman uh, congresswoman from Northwest Georgia. Yep. You got Louis Gohmert out of Texas. Yep, right there. You got uh, Paul Gosar out of Arizona. Uh, yes. You got Matt Gates out of uh, Pensacola, Florida. Um, and there are, I think, a handful of other people who have signed letters with them uh, in, in the House. Um, I had Julie Kelly on the other day from American Greatness. She said, well, yeah, back I in... Have, I'm sorry, what? I actually have Paul Gozer's letter here ahead of me, in front of me. A yeah. Copy of it, excuse me. Uh, dated July 24th of 2021. That was the first letter he sent to Merrick Garland, our supposed attorney general. Yeah. Uh, and to this day, we are still not getting responses. They don't care. I right. Mean, when, when you're committing treason, you're never going to give up your, your, your you know, you're, you're never going to give ground. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, I had Julie Kelly on. I said, you know, why hasn't anyone in the Senate said anything? And she said, well, back in, you see, the June or July, um, Senator Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin wrote a letter to Merrick Garland, and she thought maybe about four other senators co-signed. Uh, Might have been, I think, Rick Scott out of Florida, maybe Ted Cruz. Uh, I'm not sure who maybe the other two were. But no response and, and, and really no follow up as far as she could tell from anybody in the Senate. And, yeah. You know, you know we, have this, we have this situation where, you know, I, I want to I word this carefully. But okay. The GOP has failed us. You know, I give the left credit, they know how to fight. For what yeah. They want. yeah. The GOP doesn't. They've all laid down. I don't know what the reason is. I mean, we know this is more than just America. Look at what's happening in Australia, Germany, Canada, France, go on and on. This is an attempt at New World Order. There's no doubt about it. You know, everybody thought it was conspiracy theory, but if you're watching the news at all internationally, you're watching what's happening with the lockdown. People being beating beaten for not for just walking out of their house without the shot in Australia. Australia now has concentration camps. I mean, so so my point is, it's hard to understand why our GOP isn't standing up. And the only thing I can think of is payoffs, especially when you start talking about Ted Cruz. My God, what a thing to say. He called me a domestic terrorist, which, by the way, that's what the government calls me. I'm a, uh, I'm a domestic terrorist. And they had it at the end of that. I'm also a ticking Tom bomb. So, but, but, you know, have they charged you with being a terrorist, though? No, no. Okay. That, 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 there, there's certain catchphrases in the narrative that work very well yeah. in the media is, is, is sound bites and snippets. And unfortunately, that's all pe- most people listen to is the sound bites and snippets. They read the, read the headline, the headline's fantastical, and they move on with their day. And whatever was in that headline registers in their head over and over and over again to people start believing their own lies. But there was no insurrection. Uh, the government has admit, admitted the DOJ and the FBI do not call it insurrection. Every friggin' fake media outlet out there still does. Nobody was charged with domestic terrorism. Some of the Oath Keepers are trying to charge them with insurrection. But, uh, fortunately, attorneys just stepped up and sued uh, uh, the DOJ now. And actually, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. I've got so much in my mind right now. Uh, They've actually subpoenaed Ray Epps and some of these other people. Uh Testify. Yeah, Ray Epps, 
for our listeners who... Yeah, Ray Epps is on all over video uh, from the night before January 6th and even the day of saying we got to get into the Capitol. Uh, He's saying stuff like, well, I wasn't going to say something, but I'll be arrested if I say it. And the guy says, well, don't say it then. No, I'm going to say it anyway. we got to get into the Capitol. That's where the problem is. And um, Ray Epps, for months, starting shortly after January 6th, was on the FBI um, January 6th most wanted list. And then, you know, please help us figure out who this is. Help us find him. And then when the media actually did, all of a sudden they deleted him off of all their FBI stuff like uh, like he'd never been there in the first place. Because clearly, obviously, if, if not an FBI agent, he's a federal asset, obviously. And they don't want to... They don't want to arrest him. They don't want to arrest any of the other people who who instigated what happened on January 6th. Um, over at Revolver.News, Darren J. Beatty has done a couple of brilliant articles, and he has video of Ray Epps and other co-conspirators who clearly are federal agent provocateurs. And I just go back to what Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky said. He had Merrick Garland under oath a few months ago and was asking how many federal agents, how many federal assets were there at the Capitol on January 6th. And Garland got really nervous and refused to answer the question. Totally refused to answer, yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, you know, Doc, the thing with me here is, too, and of course, I love talking about this. I'd also like to talk about my fellow political prisoners in a minute and maybe put out a. a word on them, but, yeah. uh, you know, I want to say something to try to really simplify things uh, for anybody who's listening out there to understand, because I know anybody listening to you, they're, they're obviously, in, there'll be a few on the other side wanting to quit, I'm saying, but, and that's fine with me because I don't stand down. I love my country. My forefathers stood. I'm going to stand. Yeah. But anyway, and I, oh, I mean, I'm not saying I don't have fear, but I have strength through God and I've got to do what's right for my country. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know, there's no saying, and I don't know how exactly it's worded, but you can debate evil. You cannot debate ignorance. Wow. Because it's like arguing with a wall. And due to all these snippets and sound bites, sometimes when I listen to the, to the, the, to the, the, to the media, the, the mainstream media, I'll probably be kind and say mainstream media, but you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Uh, some of them tried to attempt to gas like me, and they didn't get away with it because I won't put up with that. Right. Uh, uh, but anyway, when you listen to their snippets and everything, and you look at these cover-ups, they're like Merrick Garland refusing to answer that question. But every day, more and more of this happens. It's almost like going back to childhood when you catch the child red-handed up on that stool in the kitchen with his hand in the cookie jar, and he looks at dead in the eye and says, I, uh, I'm not doing it. Right. Yet it just gets blowed off, and then we go to the next thing, and you catch him again, and you catch him again, and you catch him again. But the problem is the DOJ and the FBI has become so polarized for whatever reason. And, and, and i got to tell you something. There is no way that the FBI, the DOJ, our government, China, Germany, there, there is no way. I mean, the complicity here, it's, it's hard to say this, but God is in control of all things, good and evil. 
And so this, to me, this is his wake-up call. You know, we've lived this soft-ass life. We've let the schools raise our children. We've lost control. This, this generation coming up, and hey, i got some good ones. I'm sure other people out there, too. But many of them have gone to college, have been brainwashed by liberal teachers and all that. And that's why everybody keeps getting away with it, because the youth throughout history, it don't matter if you're talking about the hippies or when, they're the ones that get out and raise hell and protest and want their voices heard and have the energy to do so. And as older people, besides me and a few others, uh, just lay back and listen and say, oh, every generation goes through this. We cannot have that attitude any longer. That's, this is about our freedom. This, this is the last bastion of freedom. And if we lose this, it's all over, folks. I'm telling you. We're speaking with Richard Big O. Barnett, a man made famous worldwide for uh, a picture that we can't really talk about today, but a uh, picture of him with his... Well, I mean, the picture this, you can mention it. I yeah, mean, it, the, it's out the, the college, so. picture of him with his with his feet on the Nancy Pelosi's desk. Okay, I understand. Uh, before we get to talking about some of your fellow January six detainees, um, again, lawyers' orders can't talk about what happened in the Capitol. Can we at least discuss how you wound up in the Capitol? Whether they just opened the doors and said, "Come on in," or you got pushed in, or I'm sorry, what? We actually can't. And I was going to do this after the show anyway. Okay. Uh, even though, it's, you know, unfortunately, we have to use media that we don't necessarily agree with because, yeah. you know, that's where the people are. And so, obviously, you and I are on Twitter. I'm at Big O Barnett, at Big O Barnett. And after this, I'll actually put up the video because it's already public knowledge. I've already turned it over to the DOJ that shows how I ended up in the Capitol. But I'll describe it to you, and then when you watch it, you'll know what's going on. Sure. Uh, I had mentioned that I was back on the east side at the Grassy Knoll. Yeah, and I was with friends, and we all had flags, and each of us had a different flag. I had a big American flag. One of my friends had a flag. I don't even know what was on it, but it was black. The other one's a really weird, multicolored flag. And we had agreed. There, were, I mean, there's millions of people there. I mean, it was just unbelievable how many people were there. And uh, so we had agreed if we get separated on the way back to our vehicle, we would wave our flags and just look for your flag. You know, look for the flag. There's a lot of people holding flags that will hold up. It. They were both tall boys, and I said, just hold them as high as you can. And just wave them, and hopefully we'll find each other. Well, when the melee happened down there at the tunnel, uh, a lot of the D.C. cops that started it from behind came running past us. We're in full riot gear in a line. It almost looked like the stormtroopers out of Star Trek. It really did. Wow. And I was so upset by what happened. I was running beside it. I don't mind telling you this part. I was running beside them. I'm sure there's video of it on their body cam. I was running beside them, um, yelling at them and videoing, saying, what is wrong with you? Are you not patriots? Do you not love your country? Why are you attacking innocent people? You know? Wow. I was mad. Yeah. And... So I ran around the corner of the building yelling at them. At that point, I realized I'd lost my friends. Uh-oh. I went around the corner of the building. There was, and hopefully we'll find a body cam video. We're trying to find this. There were a bunch of barricades shoved over. And, and, and here's the weird thing. It was so emotional for me because I'm watching police officers, who I respect very, very much normally, doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so in my heart, I'm still a back-to-blue guy. So when I come around a corner, there's some police officers in just regular uniform. And let me tell you, all the officers there weren't bad, and I talked to many of them while I was there, but there was this Gestapo group that, you know, I don't know if they were Mayor Bowser or 
the lady who I'm not allowed to mention her name because she's supposedly my victim. I don't know if they were which one they belonged to, but these were the ones that caused all the trouble. Uh, so anyway, these other officers were caught up in the Barry case, and there was a bunch of patriots yelling at them and screaming at them, and I think probably saw some fists flying from one side or another. I don't know. I don't remember all the detail. Yeah. But I ran up and started pulling up the case and trying to protect them. Well, you're kind of chopping up on me there. You, you, you did what now? Well, I ran, as I ran past them, I saw this young female cop, and I could actually see the fear in her face. I mean, because it, it was, it, I mean, nobody knew what the hell was going on, to be quite honest with you, except for the ones that were causing the, the ruckus. Yeah. And there were some people yelling back and forth to her and all that, and the, and the barricades had been knocked over by who, I don't know, because I just showed up on the scene. And so I hollered at her, come, come, I'm going to help you set the barricades back up. And as the people ran off, her and I struggled to set the barricades back up. Uh, at that point, I, I'm on my own then. I'm not with my friends. We were, our intentions were to go back to, my, to our hotel and go home. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know all that happened. And so I went around to the front, and oh my God, the crowd on the wet, on the, on the east side at the main entrance was unbelievable. It was like Woodstock or something. And so I walked around and started looking. I realized there's no way in all this I'm going to see we're, we're anybody. I mean, it's just wall to wall humanity, you know. In other words, you're not going to be able to find your friends. Yeah, so, well, I went to the, well, here, I'm leading, and here, here's, here's, I'm leading up to this video, and I'm going to post later on Twitter. Uh, I, I went up the steps as far as I could and turned around and started looking for my friends and looking around, because I knew they'd be waving the flags. We, we, we recontacted earlier that day doing the same thing. So I got up to right up, I'd probably say three steps from the front doors, and I was turned around backwards videoing. When I heard some people at the bottom of the crowd, maybe Ray Epps and them, who knows, screaming, push, push, push. Well, if you've ever had hundreds of thousands of people pushing, you don't have any choice. And about that time, I thought I got a glimpse of a police officer. I'm pretty sure it was. Threw the double doors open right as everybody at the bottom. It was almost like it was planned. Right as everybody at the bottom just started shoving. And myself and several people end up getting shoved right through. Now, in the video, you're hearing me screaming, we have no choice, we have to go in. The reason I'm screaming at you is, is because there's young ladies and stuff hanging on to the threshold trying not to go in, and as they held on, you could see them starting to go to the ground. I mean, when you're being pressed, you better go with the crowd. Yeah. So in the, in the midst of pulling their hands loose and trying to steal video and get myself in, I end up being the one to get trampled. And you'll see at the end of the video my hands I mean, my, my my camera goes flying and everything else, but I actually have that video of me being shoved into a building that I'm now charged for for trespassing. Wow, that's or amazing! I've also got other charges I'm facing twenty years max. Good grief! Good grief! Yeah, great. Well, well uh, yeah, so out there, I'll put that video up uh, on Twitter uh, at Big Old Barn a little while later. All right, very good. Uh, we just got a few minutes left before we uh, have an in studio guest who is also at the Trump rally. Um, maybe you could take a, a, a four or five minutes and, and talk to us about um, what's going on with uh, some of your uh, fellow January 6th uh, detainees. Sure, and I'm going to run, run through some stuff really quick. Uh, when I came home that day, I turned myself with the next day, I turned myself in. And uh, by the following Friday, I went up uh, in front of a judge in the Western District, and they released me on my own recognizance. Didn't see me to be a danger. 
or any or a flight risk or anything else. I'm a pillar in my community. Like I said, I was doing all kinds of back to blue. I'm self employed business owner. Yada yada yada. Uh, that was on a Friday evening, and on that Saturday Friday night, the prosecutors uh, slithered back to Washington without notifying my attorney or anybody else, and got a special stay order. And instead of releasing me that next Saturday morning, they threw me in a van and took me over to a Cimarron Correctional Facility in Oklahoma and a transfer state on air to D.C., the Western District Judge ordered, and signed a bunch of fake paperwork very illegally, and that guy ended up in D.C. I stayed in D.C. Gitmo for four months and changed attorneys during that time and ended up with Joe, and we finally got me out. Uh, I was very fortunate. I'm blessed to be sitting at home. I am under house arrest. Uh, it's very hard to earn a living. It's very hard to function. But I'm home. But yeah. we've got other people in there pre-trial, pre-trial against the Nuremberg Code, besides the Nuremberg Code, which is an international war code, against that, besides being totally against our Constitution and our laws that derive from the Constitution. Pre-trial, someone with nothing but misdemeanors are being held in D.C. Gitmo in horrible conditions. Uh, that's why everybody, you know, you know, Marjorie and everybody's doing what they can. It's about four or five of them. But when you have nobody else on your side, what's four or five congressmen going to do? This is a bad situation. But there's, 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 there's been violence by the guards against the guys in there. They're losing their homes. They're losing, I haven't seen their children. Uh, it's, it's just a horrid, horrid situation. Going through it kind of quick because I know I've got limited time here. So I just want to throw out to everybody out there to understand these people are just like you and me. They love their country. They're reminded of their own business. They realize there's something wrong with the country. And they went up to protest. They were attacked, and it was totally twisted. The rest of the story, and now they have lost their lives. And I watched that back in prison for twenty years. But that's you, you're kind of you're kind of breaking up on me. If you can maybe, oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. that's not your fault. If you get to a different part of the room or something. Yeah, let me try that. Is, is this any better? Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Okay, we'll do that. I'm with the paperwork. So anyway, I just wanted to say that these guys and girls that are still in prison, man, they're just working jokes, just like us. They've been given horrible public defenders that are already leaning left. That are telling them their own. Some of them, their own the attorneys are telling them they hate it guilty and get it over with. I mean, what, is, what has happened to brutal law in America? Uh, at one point, I was slammed headfirst concrete in there uh, by nine guards working the masks. I watched a friend of mine. I didn't see it happen. I found him in his cell the next morning. Right the cell. Uh, the minute, you found him in the morning. cell the next morning and what? Well, Ryan Samsell's his name. They took him to the other end of the unit in a cell away from us without us knowing it in the middle of the night and without cameras and they beat him so bad he is now blind in one eye and will have seizures for the rest of his life. So people that think that the oldies prisoners there's no big deal, they're up there in Gitmo, you're wrong. This this is not America. What's happening at DC Gitmo is not America. No, it's not. It's not. If you want to support any of these guys or support me you can go to stophate.com, and any of us that have a funding situation, you will find us there. These guys need help to get through the winter. They're in prison being beat, and their families, some of them have nothing to eat. So that's stophate.com. All right. I will link to it on my Facebook page and see if I can get banned uh, by Facebook. 
StopHate.com. Um, Look, I'm already playing. Okay, you're, you're breaking up again. I'm sorry. What are you saying? That's okay. I, said, I was just laughing. I can't, even post, I can't even post up anymore on Facebook. I'm pretty much banned. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a threat to society, apparently. Well, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on. And I've got my own thoughts about why uh, Ted Cruz uh, might have uh, might have rolled over on all of us yesterday. Um, Ted Cruz had his own ambitions. I know one of them was the presidency, and you know I think he thought that he might steal the uh, the base of Donald Trump. That's upset with Trump saying anything about COVID, and uh, I think it's going to backfire on him. Now that being said, I'm not too happy with Trump right either. So. Well, yeah, because Trump really, I mean, has cut you guys loose. I mean. Yeah, well, uh, not only that, you know, I said my first interview, look up Richard Barnett Newsmax. You'll see my first interview the day I came out of prison. And I, I'll say the same thing. I didn't know Trump anything. I'm not a Trumper. I, I, I respect Trump. He was a great president. I'm a constitutionalist, though. I'm fighting for my constitution, not for one man. God God is, 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 is my savior. Jesus is my savior. But, and then I appreciate that God picked him for, for what he picked him for when he picked him. Now, how long he's going to use him, that's not up to me, you know? So yeah. I want to make that clear. Yeah. What I'm upset with is Trump going on, and even though he's saying, oh, it's a choice, he wants to take credit for this thing that's being called a vaccine. It is not a vaccine at all. It's a poison that was rushed to market so Pfizer can make a bunch of money to protect us, supposedly, from a virus, which was a biological weapon, coming from China. It's just everything's hitting so fast, people can't even keep up with it. Right, you know? right, right. So the bottom line, he can say it's a choice all he wants, but he went on with a, uh, he went on air and said that uh, nobody's dying from, from the shot. Well, we know that's not true. We know it's not true. Yep. Because we have, it's, it's a, who is dying, myocardia, what is it, the, the, the heart problems and all that. Myocarditis uh, and pericarditis, yeah. There's a vaccine adverse events reporting system uh, that has Lord, over 20... Yeah. And it's a voluntary system. It has over 20,000 deaths from people after taking the vaccines. And uh, he's just kind of brushing that aside, and it's unfortunate. Before I let you run, um, i got a theory about the Ted Cruz situation. Uh, Liberal activists have been calling for this Attorney General Merrick Garland to indict uh, people they think might have been behind what happened on January 6th for daring to question the results of the, the election. And they're including members of Congress. And Merrick Garland did his little speech yesterday, and he didn't say, I'm going to indict members of Congress. Uh, but uh, it was a very dark speech. And if you want to read between the lines, I think he certainly left the door open and I think Ted Cruz yesterday, I don't think he was so much concerned about 2024 as being um, one of the guys who's like, oh, no, 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 uh, alligator, no, eat me last. You know, uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I wasn't behind. I didn't, no, 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 the cops oh, that day were great. They're heroes. You know, no mention of Ashley Babbitt, nothing like that. Um, I, I can't imagine how he thinks calling January 6th a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol 
will get him any Republican votes in a 2024 primary. I don't think that's what this is about. I think what this is about is if they start indicting members of Congress, he wants to make sure he's not one of them. Now, I could be I could be way off, but sometimes the most logical explanation is the correct one. Just like with Trump, even if that's the case, it's obviously still not condonable. It's still wrong. It's still a lie. Oh, yeah. Truth is like yeah. you, you stand for truth no matter what the result, and you fight for what is right. Yeah. And neither one of them is doing that right now, and I'm very, very disappointed. That's, that's the most yeah. I can say about it. I mean, Trump, Trump is a billionaire. Uh, he could find the money for legal defense fund for all you guys in the sofa cushions, and he hasn't lifted a finger. And that's uh, well. Once again, he's oh yeah. Well, here's Trump again, the one that incited the riot, helping the rioters, and that's the less narrative. It still don't make it right that he doesn't do the right thing. Yeah, because we all know we all know he didn't incite anything, but he's afraid they would use it against sure. him. Yeah, yeah. All right. And, you know, it makes me wonder because the biggest thing we talk about right now when we keep saying this, the same words keep coming up, and that's afraid, afraid, fear. Yeah. If God is is, is on your side, you, you should fear no man. There you go. And, I mean, and I'm not going to say that I don't have fear, but he helps me overcome it. You know what I mean? Amen. Yeah. I mean, David had nothing but a slingshot and faith. And the slingshot wasn't monumental. The faith was. There you go. There you go. Richard Big O. Barnett, Gravit, Arkansas. It's been an honor to have you on the program, sir. Uh, we appreciate you. And uh, we'll put StopHate.com up on uh, my personal Facebook page here in, in a little bit after after the uh, the live stream is over. But we appreciate you uh, being on the program. And uh, keep us updated. Let us know how things are going, sir. I will. I'd like to say one more thing to the listeners. Okay. Uh, I love you guys. I love my country. Uh, I'm going through a lot right now. Today's a very emotional day for me, but I will never, never not stand. Thank you. There you go. There you go. All right, sir. Appreciate you coming on the Doc Washburn Show. Richard Big O Barnett from from Gravit, Arkansas. God bless you, sir. Godspeed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Doc. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. uh, That having been said, we... um, we have an in-studio guest who's coming up with for us uh, with us here in just a moment. Sorry to trying to collect my thoughts here. Um, hold on, I gotta get a get a drink of water. Thanks for listening to the Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Many of you have asked, how can we help support the show? Really easy. Go to DocWashburnShow.com and click Become a Patron at the top right corner of the website or click the Podbean logo where it says, Be My Patron on Podbean. We sure do appreciate your support of the Doc Washburn Show. All right, we certainly do. We certainly do. Now, before before I introduce my guest, we uh, we got to do one of these real quick. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show tweet of the day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way dot com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, believes in freedom including 
your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. Get the whole thing wrapped up nice and tidy online, and they'll deliver it to your front door wherever you live in the continental United States. So today's today's tweet of the day is kind of a threefer. It starts off with the great Yossi Gestetner with a video of Ted Cruz. Yesterday, the January 6th mass trespassing event violently cracked down by police was a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol. Yosti Gestetner says, game's over, folks. Go home, get a life. You're wasting your time with the GOP. Wow, strong words. Then the great Julie Kelly in American Greatness responds, Cruz also commends Capitol Police. You know, the cop who executed a female veteran doesn't even mention Ashley Babbitt's name. Shameful performance yesterday by Senator Ted Cruz. And last but not least, in our tweet of the day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, the great Nick Searcy, insurrectional film and television star who we interviewed earlier in the week about his new movie, uh, Capital Punishment. He says, this is why... We lose. Ted Cruz is behaving like controlled opposition, nothing more. Such a disappointment. That's your three in a row tweet of the day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, the car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online and have it delivered to your front door. Anywhere in the continental United States. All right. Um, having said that, want to introduce. Boy, this is uh, this is we're setting a record here. Ever since we started the Doc Washburn show sixty episodes ago, we've never had three guests in one day. Pastor Heath Loftus of Stuttgart, Arkansas. Welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm good, Doc. Excellent, Thanks. excellent. Now you were at. The Trump rally on January 6th, right? That's correct. And um, what was that like? Uh, it was uh, when we when we went there. It was um, we went with the anticipation because there was no courts that were ever hearing any of the evidence that we saw plainly on television, right? And and all the evidence that was rolling out. So we thought we were going to be on the threshold of a great coming to Jesus, coming to truth moment. And so there was a lot of excitement at the rally because, you know, they would have the congressional, you know, people that were coming up saying, hey, we're about to go over there, we're about to do this and bring this to – and bring this to the forefront and bring it to the fore where no court would hear it. And so there was a lot of people were excited. It wasn't just Trump but also members of Congress there? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Yeah, they they had a – you know – a parade of, of different speakers that came up on the stage and spoke at different times and and uh, I can't recall the names currently but that they uh they came up and they were like we're about to bring it all to the floor it's all going to be all revealed all the all the things that were in darkness are going to be brought to the light yeah and, and there was a lot that's why we were all excited it was a, it was an exciting so maybe time. maybe people like Louis Gohmert or yes yes yeah okay who is one of the greatest members of Congress in history in my humble opinion. So, um, so did you stay f- till the end of the speech? Yes, we did because there was nowhere else to go. If you were in that packed crowd, 
you weren't going anywhere. Okay. And that, and we weren't inside the gate. Uh, you know, it, it was just forever long and it just was like a trickle. Everybody trying to get in. Nobody, and we were, me and my wife, we were on the highway that was right before the, um, before the stage. Yeah. That's as close as we got. And it, and we just got shuffled into the mix and it, that was as far as we got. Okay, so um, but you're close enough to see the stage and and to, to see Trump and the other speakers. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We were in the very thick of it. So once the rally was over, well, he said during the rally, "Now we're going to go over to the Capitol and cheer on some of these people and peacefully protest." Correct. And I'll be going with you. Yeah, and I remember him saying that. Yeah, I've seen the video of that. Um. So then what happens? Well, what happens for us is that we've been out there since 6.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock that morning. Wow. And, and we haven't used the restroom the entire time. They had Porter Johns along that road, but there's like five of them. All of them were inside the gates after you'd gone through security. And, not, I mean, that that was just the biggest joke of all. And there's probably a line a mile long. Yes. And so there was. so we went back to our hotel room hoping to see that they were uh, starting to – bring these things to the floor the evidence right. and, the, and and that's and while we were using the restroom and right when we got in to our hotel room it was showing the the breach that that, that occurred there yeah so you didn't actually get to the capitol that day you were over at the ellipse for the uh, we did i did i went to the capitol after i saw it on the news i went over there to see what what in the world was going, going on, on. Yes. yeah 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 so, how far away was your your hotel from uh, from the Capitol? It was probably about uh, a mile, a mile to walk. So you walked back from the hotel to the Capitol, right? And I guess you're thinking, well, I need the exercise, right? Right, right. I want to stretch. <laughs> it. I mean, we were sitting. I mean, my back was about to go out just because we'd been standing up for so long. Yeah, and uh, and there was no place to sit. You were just standing there. Yeah, there was nowhere else to go. Right. So. Um, so when you get to the Capitol, about what time is it then? Uh, I guess I have to. I have my my photos on my phone, time stamped on it. Yeah, I started taking it. But I think it was like two, two o'clock is what I had to guess. And so, what do you see when you get there? I see a lot of people just kind of you know convalescing around. They they'd already secured the area. Yeah, you know, they already had the police lined up. Nobody was pushing. Nobody was doing anything at that time. And so by the time I got to the steps of the Capitol there. Uh, all that was going on was, you know, uh, there were some people out there with some megaphones saying, hey, you know, hang pants and stuff like that. And when I was like, this ain't, these guys are not with us. Right. And, and a lot of the people's like, hang him for what? You know, uh, yeah. because we were not there to overthrow the government <laughs> as the media would portray. We were there because with the anticipation and the excitement that all the election fraud and all the things that happened were going to be brought to the light. Yeah. And interestingly enough, that day, Ted Cruz even asked for, I think, a 10-day hiatus on counting the electors to allow the state legislatures in the swing states to actually look at the evidence of voter fraud. Exactly, because when they, they, they set the electors uh, to the – I mean, when they set them aside – a lot of this evidence had not come to the forefront, but now that it had, at least give them the opportunity to reconsider their electors in light of the evidence that had been brought to light in the in the, the course of that month. And obviously, he couldn't get much traction among his fellow Republicans. Not after there was a 
breach or an insurrection that were was going on, and that's why this this day makes us so makes me angry. It's because we're not talking about the election fraud. We're talking about a faux insurrection that was that was per, uh, perpetuated upon us by by the Capitol Police and and bad actors. What do you think the odds are that whoever's on the megaphone yelling "Hang Pence" was actually a, a federal asset, federal agent? That or Antifa or BLM? We didn't know. We 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 anticipated that it was Antifa. It it yeah yeah we. We're patriots, and, and, and yeah. having served in the military, you know the guys that uh, that hold the blue line, and, and that we we back those those people, and it never came into our very consciousness that this could be uh, FBI or some kind of federal, you know, scheme. Yeah, it, it just didn't. It just, I mean, it just didn't even occur to us in that. We just thought they were BLM or Antifa at the time. But as lights come into these things, we're beginning to see uh, that a lot of these guys were FBI. Have you seen the video of Ray Epps the night before saying, look, I shouldn't say this because I'll probably be arrested. And the guy's like, well, don't say that. No, I'm going to say it. we got to get into the Capitol tomorrow. And they started chanting fed. Fed, fed, fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he kind of looks like deer in the headlight, like, ooh, I've been outed. Yeah. Because we did not gain anything. The, the whole movement did not, uh, the, the protests did not gain anything by going into the Capitol. Everyone knew that. Yeah. Because the, what was going on in the Capitol was about to be brought to the light. And we were going, I mean, that was the victory that we were going to have. But hey, give it to the left or whoever is behind this that we're not talking about the, uh, the election that was stolen or the electors that we're talking now about these people that stormed the Capitol. Quote unquote. Yeah. I don't know if you have seen. Uh, Darren J. Beatty's articles in Revolver.News, but he had one that came out recently, a week or two ago, videotaped not, of, not only of Ray, Ray Epps, but of other folks. And there was a guy who looked like he was easily as old as Ray Epps, mid-50s, early 60s, who seemed to be in charge of moving barricades and taking down no trespassing signs way before the Trump speech was over. At the first entrance you would see to the Capitol, if you're coming from the Trump speech on the ellipse, so you got thousands of people having no idea that on that particular day you're not supposed to be on the Capitol grounds, you're trespassing, and then a lot of people have been prosecuted who didn't even go in the Capitol building, just on the Capitol grounds, because you weren't supposed to be there. But this guy who's on video moving all this stuff and in charge and then gets on top of the scaffolding with a bullhorn saying, move it, get in there, go, go, go. He's not arrested. Ray Epps, the guy who's saying the night before, we got to get into the Capitol, and the morning of January 6th, we got to get into the Capitol. He's not arrested. None of the other people clearly, plainly on video is the FBI even looking for, uh, what conclusion might one draw from this? That the FBI is behind it. And that's just the conclusion we have. It's been completely compromised from the top down. Yeah. And uh, it, needs to be, I mean, it needs to be done away with completely. The FBI is not functioning in the way that it was intended. And, even, and, and what we're beginning to see is a, a huge federal uh, overreach, and especially in law enforcement, that... Uh, that needs to be curtailed for sure. Dismantle it and start all over again. 
Maybe, or just go back to the marshals. Just do U.S. marshals yeah. as being that part. I mean, there's a whole host of, of plausible ways that we can deal with this, and and uh, the FBI is compromised. One of the things that really bothers me, really concerned me, um, I recently found out who advised President Trump to select Christopher Ray to be FBI director. Chris Christie. You know, I give Trump a lot of credit. He did a lot of great things. And I'll be thankful the rest of my life that God spared us from a Hillary Clinton presidency on Election Day 2016. But that doesn't mean the guy's perfect. No, and and personnel was his weakness. Uh, he should have fired Fauci. Uh, but he didn't, I think, because in, in the minds of uh, the people that were listening – that would have made him a martyr, and that would have given him a bigger megaphone. So I think that he tried to just kind of get along with it. Same thing with, you know, Christopher Ray and all that. Uh, it's just I, he, he listened to the people he shouldn't have listened to. And, and I mean, we're all guilty of that. And, he, listen, he's never held public office before right. this. Right. I mean, he, he'd be like if me or you were, you know, put into presidency. We'd, like, we'd lean very heavily <laughs> on some people that know, know things around the area. People with experience. Right. So Bill O'Reilly interviewed him recently, and he kept on hammering, and why didn't you get rid of Fauci? And the two things that Trump kept on saying, well, three things. One thing, he said, well, he'd been there for so long. But another thing he said was there would have been a firestorm on the left if I had fired Fauci. And he also said, I didn't really follow his advice. And... The example he gave was Fauci didn't want to cut off commercial travel from China, but I did. I'm like, yeah, but you follow the 15 days to slow the spread, which we haven't got out from under yet. You follow that advice. And you're saying Fauci and Burks were con artists, but you're not owning up to the fact that you trusted them and that was a mistake. We all make mistakes. Yep. So anyway um, – so when you look at January 6th and you look at the fact that all the media is ignoring what actually happened, including Fox News. Right. Oh, they're, they're bought into, oh, it was a riot, and whoever rioted should be held accountable. It's like the whole rest of Fox News has no idea that Tucker Carlson has interviewed some people putting forth the evidence that feds instigated things, putting forth the evidence that police were attacking people. And if anybody attacked a cop, it was probably either a federal agent trying to get other people to attack a cop, or it was people in self-defense because police at the Capitol on January 6th were mercilessly beating defenseless women. This is not just MSNBC and CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC. It's even Fox News just totally ignoring that. Um, where do we go from here? Well, I, I know where, you know, you're, you're actually, um, you've announced your, your candidacy in the Republican primary coming up soon, May 24th of 2022, this year, uh, against incumbent United States Senator John Bozeman, you're running the Republican primary against him um, in the interest of full disclosure. What is your plan, and, and, and why did you feel led to go ahead and 
and challenge him. You're a pastor of a Baptist church in Stuttgart, Arkansas, and you're one of three primary opponents that Senator Bozeman has, but you were the one who announced first. What were you thinking when you did that? There were several things. One was the uh, the election that was stolen and the lack of, of any interest on the part of any of our senators to actually address it. Yeah. And, and that was uh, that was to be completely tone deaf to their constituency. I mean, everybody was saying, look – that, well, this is obvious. You need to you need to uh, reject these electors from these state, or at least send them back to, so that the state legislatures can, with the full full information that they have before them, bring forth their. If they want to choose to ignore the the you know the evidence, that's up to them at that point in time. We're not trying to, you know, we weren't trying to overthrow a government or anything. And he would not even so much as budge, nudge, or touch it. And then also after everything happened. There was a pro-life bill that was put before the Senate. It was dead on arrival. And the and my, and my question was, where was all this two, four years ago? And then it became obviously, painfully obvious, that the Republican Party has no desire to end abortion. They want to fundraise off of it. They want to make it a talking point to continue on. We uh, we need You need to continue to reelect me so that we can get rid of it. But they have no intention of getting rid of it, as Trump has well demonstrated that he can get a lot done yeah, by just doing what he promised to do. Yeah. So I guess your point is the first two years of the Trump administration, we had the White House, the Senate, and the U.S. House of Representatives. If we wanted to pass a pro-life bill to try to, to, to make abortion illegal or to make it to reduce it or whatever, we could have done that. We could have done it. And that told me right then and there that they had no desire. And I, that kind of awoke, awoke, I can't say, awakened me to the realization that we have no desire or um, push to do this. And that I became more familiar with the abolitionist movement, uh, became acquainted with some great people like Lucas Childers and some people like that who are behind uh, the abolish abortion from Arkansas and, Lord willing, nationwide. Yeah, and, but that that prompted me uh, primarily to run. Uh, I'm a patriot, um, uh, veteran, and and I want to I want this country to be all that God would have it to be. Yeah, and and we can't be that. Even if I got, even if we had a wish list of every Republican policy that we wanted to accomplish, and abortion was still a part of that, uh, could we say we won? And I I cannot say that we did. Sixty million dead babies. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, Dr. Alveda King, said Planned Parenthood accomplished what the KKK couldn't even dream of. And there, and that's the that's the tragedy is the black people are actually aborting themselves out of existence, and they don't even yeah, realize. Yeah, there's, there's much higher abortion rate than birth among, rate. among uh, black folks than among uh, Caucasians or Hispanics or uh, you know Asian folks or whatever. And uh, in some places like New York City, a much higher abortion rate than birth rate among black folks. Exactly. And they're, actually, their and, numbers are going down. And, and that's and that's the, the Planned Parenthood. Well, certainly as a percentage of the population, yeah. Right. But that, that was Planned Parenthood's long-term goal, always was, to attack communities of color. Right. Uh, the uh, founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, was a great racist. And to this day, Hillary Clinton still says, Margaret Sanger is my hero. I know. And it's amazing how many people don't get that. But I guess what you're saying is 
you know, of course, United States senators are only up for re-election once every six years. Right. So this year, John Bozeman is up for re-election. Tom Cotton's not up for re-election until 2026 because he just got re-elected in 2020. Unopposed. Yeah, unopposed. Unopposed, yeah. Well, there's a libertarian. Right. Unopposed. Who, who actually took Pulaski <laughs> County oh, because yeah. people in Pulaski County hate anything with an R by it that much. They voted for the libertarian because there's no Democrat. But anyway, the point being that John Bozeman can say, I'm pro-life all he wants, but what has he accomplished in his years in the United States Senate? He's not. He's not. He's not being a beachhead to any of these things. He can be a yes vote to them. Yeah. But we need someone to be on a vocal front to many of the issues. Not just, not just uh, the abolitionist of. I mean, being an abolitionist of abortion. But we need to start thinking about abolishing many of our government agencies that have no constitutional bearing whatsoever. Yeah. Whether we're talking about the ATF, the CDC, the NIH, the FBI, whatever suit we have, we need a government that's so. I mean, so much smaller. Well, certainly the Department of Education. There's nothing Department whatsoever yes. in the U.S. Constitution which allows the federal government to get their mitts on education. Exactly. You know, I used to say before they blew up this multi-trillion-dollar uh, debt. You know, back when W was still president, and people were like, "Oh, gee, he's spending like a uh, like a drunken sailor, man. He's he's spending like a Democrat." And then Obama's like, "He ain't seen nothing yet. He doubled it." Oh, yeah, and and then, you know, now with, with Biden, it's through the roof. I used to say back in the day, if we got rid of every department, agency, bureau, or commission in the federal government, which could not be specifically justified by something in the Constitution, we might be able to balance a budget and bring the debt down a little bit. I couldn't agree more. Um, I not agree more. At this point, it, it, it's so sky high that, our great 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 grandchildren are going to be trying to pay it off to the Chinese. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're down a slave too. Yeah. So what? Um, before we run out of time here, and we get to a point every day about two hours and six minutes or whatever, where the pod being cuts off the live stream. Uh, but if we're still going, of course, it'll all be on the podcast, uh, which you can download later. Um, Pastor Heath Loftus, Stuttgart, Arkansas, what is the worst thing you saw on January 6th of the Capitol? The worst thing that I saw was that the evidence never is what we didn't see. The evidence yeah. never got to make it to the floor because it became no longer politically expedient for any person because then it would be seen. It had already been ter- I mean, called terrorism and a bunch of other bad things, and therefore uh, they uh, – they never brought it to the fore because they didn't want to be part of or be seen as those demonized people that stormed the Capitol. And, and that's, that's what's the greatest tragedy of it all is that we to this day have not seen in a court of law or any in a, or on any forum that I can tell you of that uh, we got to see the election fraud brought to the forefront. Yeah, because the liberals will always say, oh, uh, Trump and, and his allies got smacked down in court 60 times. None of those courts were willing to look at the evidence. It was all all a matter of standing, right. you know, or moot point of the, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, Marsha Blackburn, U.S. Senator from uh, Tennessee, had planned to be one of the senators to challenge the electors, and then once everything happened on January 6th, that evening she's like, oh, no, 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 hands off on this. Unlike Tom Cotton and John Bozen, who, who clearly never even – um, you know that was never. Uh, well, they got the seat. They got screen. the seats that they wanted. 
What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, Tom Cotton got put on the judiciary after right. that. And I don't know if there's a this is this is a little bit of speculation, but yeah, yeah. but there's a you know getting on the the committee uh, on the committee that you want to get on. Oh, I didn't realize he wasn't on the judiciary committee before. No, he got put on after because that. as an attorney, you would think that you know right. he'd be up for that, but not until after not until well. after that. And and of course, there's a book came out a couple of months ago that uh, Tom Cotton and Mitch McConnell were conspiring to try to dissuade other members of Congress. Uh, from raising um, objections about the election. That's correct. And and who, who's to say that there wasn't a sweetheart deal made in the back room somewhere? And I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Pastor Heath Loftus, one of the three primary opponents to U.S. Senator John Bozeman in the Republican primary for United States Senator coming up May 24th, uh, people want to know more about what you're up to and about your campaign. What's the website? www.pastorheathloftus.com. And that's Heath, H-E-A-T-H, and Loftus, L-O-F, as in Frank, T-I-S, Heath Loftus. Uh, PastorHeathLoftus.com. That's correct. Very good. All right, appreciate having you in the on the program today. <clears throat> it's about that time. You've been listening to episode 61 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Thursday, January 6th, 2022.